You're listening to the Two Degrees Podcast, a podcast dedicated to having constructive and positive discussions around climate change and climate-related policy. Two Degrees is a project of the New York Youth Climate Leaders. The opinions and perspectives discussed in this podcast are not necessarily those of the New York Youth Climate Leaders. Welcome to a new episode of Two Degrees. I'm one of your co-hosts, Radesh Singh. And today, my co-host, Bridget Musa, is actually on vacation. So I'll be recording this interview by myself. And in studio, we have Gustavo Gordillo and Pete Sikora of the Movement for a Green New Deal Coalition in New York State. Uh, this coalition was just recently formed to combat the climate crisis and organize for climate justice in New York State. And today, we'll be talking to them about the coalition itself, its demands, as well as what they see that needs to be done in our state to achieve a clean energy economy that works for us all. And I hope you guys enjoy this interview. Welcome. Could you guys um, first just introduce yourselves and also kind of explain the story of why you got into climate organizing in the first place? And um, Pete, if you want to go first. Sure. Uh, my name is Pete Sikora, and I'm with New York Communities for Change. Um, I live in Brooklyn, New York. I grew up in Washington Heights in Manhattan. And, you know, I've been an activist for a long time on a lot of different issues. I actually started as an 18-year-old. Um, I needed a job, and I uh, ended up doing a door-knocking canvassing job for um, uh, an environmental group. And so I caught the bug of activism then. But what really freaked me out was um, about a decade ago, reading more about climate change and what the effects were gonna be. So I imagine I have a very similar experience to people listening to this podcast where I had this realization like, oh my God, this is terrible. Somebody's gotta do something about it. And so I felt like um, I needed to, to move into climate change. So I was working for a large labor union at the time as their political director in New York. And I went to join New York Communities for Change. And we've done a bunch of climate and inequality campaign work since then. And my name is Gustavo Gordillo, and I'm with New York Communities for Change. Um, I grew up in Florida. Um, I live in Brooklyn now. And, you know, uh, Florida is one of the, and I lived in South Florida, uh, so it was one of the most vulnerable places to climate change um, in the country. Um, and it was always, I, our school curriculum was weirdly, focus on environmental issues, and I feel like it was just something I always cared about um, from a pretty young age, and was kind of like increasingly aware of like the dire threat from climate change. Um, I didn't really become uh, super involved in political organizing until the 2016 election, uh, when a lot of people were radicalized, um, but pretty much since then I've been uh, organizing pretty intensely on climate. Fantastic. And I know that New York Communities for Change was uh, and is one of the main groups as a part of the Movement for a Green New Deal Coalition. Um, and I was wondering, Pete, how did um, this uh, coalition of groups um, come to form initially? You know, um, we were formed organically because we were working together on these issues and saw each other as um, similar-minded organizations that wanted to press for transformational change um, and were really uncompromising about it. 
and wanted to do it by building a movement and pressing um, political targets, in particular the governor, um, very aggressively. So um, that's not true of all organizations, and um, but in this coalition, that's really a shared uh, dynamic between the groups that ended up forming um, this coalition. Fantastic. And what are the main demands of the coalition uh, for New York State? We have four demands. Um, 100% renewable energy now, uh, as soon as possible. Um, two, ban all fossil fuel infrastructure. Um, so, you know, in New York right now, the governor is attempting to build several uh, large fracked gas plants, and we, we, you know, need him to, to shut down those projects before they even start. Um, the third demand is public power. Uh, which means bringing our energy system into public ownership and democratic control so that investor-owned utilities uh, don't have, um, you know, aren't able to put profits over uh, climate justice. And the fourth demand is taxing the rich to pay for it. Um, we know that the 1% the and the ruling class are the most responsible for creating the crisis and they need to be the ones shouldering costs of uh, the solutions. Definitely, and you, you mentioned public power is one of the core demands of the Movement for a Green New Deal Coalition. And I was wondering, Gustavo, if you can kind of delve more into what public power would look like in New York State, um, especially since, uh, you know, there, there already is some sort of infrastructure re relating to public power with the New York Power Authority. Um, but I was wondering if you can kind of describe what public power would look like for our state, which has a really uh, diverse geographic representation, also uh, diverse interests in each community. Yeah, so we have the largest state-owned utility in the country, which is called the New York Power Authority, as you said. Um, FDR created it uh, when he was the governor of New York. Um, so it's a precursor to the New Deal. And the New York Power Authority owns two large hydro plants in upstate New York uh, and Niagara Falls and the Lawrence River Dam. And, and it creates about a quarter of the, the state's um, energy generation through those plants mainly. But the, the New York Power Authority is not allowed to expand um, its the, the generation that it owns, it can only maintain the plants that it has right now. Um, so we want uh, the New York Power Authority to be able to build publicly owned offshore wind and build publicly owned solar farms upstate. Uh, you know, offshore wind can be off the coast of Long Island. Um, we don't think that, you know, big oil companies like Shell should be given leases to develop um, offshore wind when, when they're the companies that created the crisis. Um, and we also think that, um, you know, public, public entities have better labor practices. A lot of um, renewable energy jobs are not unionized jobs. They pay very little compared to, for example, a unionized job um, building a gas pipeline. Um, so we have a just transition. We really need clean energy jobs to be union jobs and to, to truly be equal to the existing fossil fuel jobs. So public power can do that. 
Um, and we also need to take over the investor-owned utilities, which control the, the grid and maintain the, the wires and the substations. Um, and they're the, the investor-owned utilities, they also control the gas heating system that heats most of our houses uh, and buildings. Um, and the, the investor-owned utilities, they really resisted the idea that we need to end fracked gas infrastructure. They continue to build pipelines. Uh, they don't, um, they don't uh, really maintain the grid. After uh, Hurricane Sandy, the Utility Workers Union of America, um, Local 1-2, which represents Con Ed workers, wrote a really scathing report um, outlining how how Con Ed kind of drives, um, you know, kind of runs things until it break until they break. So we need a, a publicly owned utility to replace the investor-owned utilities that we have. Right now, you know, just in the past few days, Con Ed suffered the the second largest blackout uh, in its history, and that's part partly because they're not maintaining the grid. So as we like experience more extreme weather, uh, the grid that we have is gonna struggle more and more to uh, withstand uh, extreme, extreme weather events. Like last summer, we also had huge blackouts where like hundreds of thousands of people didn't have power over the summer. You know, and this morning we, uh, there was a really exciting action, a couple hundred people rallied and marched um, from housing court where they're trying to do evictions um, to uh, Con Ed's headquarters where um, we protested the fact that there are just widespread blackouts in New York and we need lower rates and no and proper maintenance as Gustavo's saying. So it was, it was pretty fiery and, and the movement for a Green New Deal helped promote that event. Yeah, really exciting. Like probably the, the, the most energetic, like most fun um, climate event I've been part of, actually. So um, what would you guys say in response to individuals who might be somewhat skeptical of public power, um, you know, municipalities and local governments uh, controlling their own energy consumption? Obviously, a lot of individuals have been skeptical of uh, public um, and public enterprise versus private enterprise and the potential inefficiencies that can come out of that? Well, you know, the CEO of Con Ed makes about $10 million a year, and Con Ed cranks out multi-billion dollar profits, which we're all paying for as utility consumers. So municipal utilities and public power are pretty common across the country. And in fact, rates are about 15% lower in public power than in private power. So if you're interested in protecting your pocketbook alone, um, you should support public power. Um, but of course, we want it run right. And so we want it run democratically in a way that is responsive to people, um, not the way that the utilities run uh, the grid right now and the way that the uh, electric power producers uh, uh, run their plants. I'd also say that when people bring up the argument that you know we have all these public entities that are failing, I think that um, we have to acknowledge that um, well-run public institutions uh, are, are, are kind of the biggest threat 
um, to the capitalist class and to the profit motive. Um, for example, like if we had pristine, like comfortable public housing, um, then nobody would really want to live in, um, like nobody would want to rent uh, market rate apartments, you know? So if you're talking about like NYCHA, I think that the landlords, the landlord class, like they have an incentive to tear down and attack uh, public housing because it's a huge threat to them. Um, but you know, as Pete was saying, public power exists everywhere in the country. Uh, it has for like a hundred years. And uh, there are good examples like in you know, Sacramento and Seattle. Yeah, definitely. Um, and Gustavo, you mentioned um, the other examples of uh, public power across uh, the nation um, in terms of, you know, being successful examples in serving um, people. Uh, and what has kind of the, been the progress of public power so far in New York State, um, you know, with the coalition, but even um, before the coalition formed? Um, we introduced three bills into the legislature last uh, I guess at the beginning of this session in January. Um, and because of COVID, you know, we were, we were getting momentum, starting to get uh, sponsors, co-sponsors. Um, when COVID hit, the legislature cut the session short and sort of only was focusing on emergency relief um, measures. And then everyone went home. So, that uh, the legislative push was cut short. Um, but, you know, we, we just elected uh, an incredibly progressive group of legislators um, that are going to be going to Albany, many of which have been, many of them have been elected uh, on a mandate um, to, to create a publicly owned energy system. Uh, a lot of them explicitly campaigned on public power. Um, and we've shown that, you know, you can win elections doing that. Um, so I think that next year we're going to have uh, an even more aggressive push. And I guess by the time this podcast comes out, like, people, uh, I guess it's like not really public right now, but, uh, probably next week, uh, people will know that like the, the public advocate in New York City, Jamani Williams, is uh, releasing a report um, on public power, which uh, is basically endorsing many of the, the proposals that we've laid out. Great, so as you guys probably know, uh, New York State just last year passed uh, the nation leading Cl Climate Leadership and Community Protection Act. And last episode, we kind of delved into it, the specifics um, and as well as the shortfalls with Bob Cohen of Citizen Action. Um, and you know, many experts have hailed this as a nation leading climate bill. Um, but overall, what do you think of New York State's current response to the climate crisis has been, uh, both in, you know, 2019 and 2020? You know, there's a lot of, uh, the governor does a lot of talking um, as a climate leader, nation leading, best in the, in the country, those, those sorts of things. But in fact, New York is at just 5% wind and solar energy uh, on the electric grid and has been approving and uh, allowing new, big new fracked gas power plants and pipelines uh, to be built. Um, far less than 1% of 
um, cars and trucks out there are zero emission vehicles. Um, and um, there are no requirements on buildings, which are another top source of climate pollution um, to clean up their acts. Um, same is true of agriculture and industrial sources. So um, while the CLCPA was passed, um, it doesn't have any enforceable timelines or specifics in it. Um, it's, uh, it's a guiding document that replicates a lot of what governors and various councils and regulatory bodies have established as goals before. That said, it's good to have um, stuff in law, but fundamentally the CLCPA is far short of what's needed. Um, we need to do a lot more rocking and a lot less talking. Um, and the governor needs to uh, put his money where his mouth is um, and start actually moving these programs and funding them. Um, so that's what the movement for a Green New Deal's purpose is to create the kind of groundswell of activism to pressure the governor and secondarily the legislature to make the transformational change that's needed, um, not just pass a law and then um, you know, declare the job done and, and, and say we're, we're leaders. Yeah, definitely. So on that note of the importance of funding the goals of the CLCPA, uh, how does you know, climate action broadly, but specifically um, a Green New Deal for New York State um, fit into the current moment of the coronavirus pandemic and the, you know, the ensuing economic crisis it has created? Well, you know, we're facing a, an unemployment crisis right now in New York. Um, we also have enormous budget shortfalls um, in, in the state budget and in city budgets. Uh, so we really need to create jobs um, for people uh, who are unemployed and can't pay rent and can't pay for healthcare as a result, um, and they need to be good jobs. Um, so we think that the Green New Deal will do that. Uh, we'll create, you know, tens of thousands of jobs that are that are have union wages that uh, are probably a lot better than many of the options that are available for the broad working class. Um, and we also need to tax the rich so that we, uh, you know, the, the, the state budget um, can be restored um, from the crisis that's kind of undergoing right now. Definitely, and you know, we've seen in the uh, coronavirus pandemic that it's uh, black and brown communities across the state have, that have been disproportionately affected by this crisis, which is also similar to the climate crisis, which also disproportionately affects, um, you know, not only black and brown communities in, the New, in New York State, but across the nation. Um, and how does uh, the Green New Deal um, for New York State specifically help to um, uplift, um, you know, black and brown communities in our state and ensures um, that, you know, the revenues um, that are allocated in um, this proposal go to go to those communities and make sure that they are uplifted and that helps to also combat the climate crisis. So um, you know the the top one percent in New York is virtually all white. These are people who make um, at least half a million dollars per year in income. Um, the average one percenter, the median one percenter, excuse me, is making two million dollars per year. This is a lot of people. This is the top 1% of New York State. Um, very, very spectacularly wealthy people, um, virtually all white. 
Um, and they have gotten huge tax cuts over the years um, at the federal and at the state level. New York State's top income tax rate used to be almost double what it is today. Um, and that was cut um, starting under uh, a governor named uh, Mario Cuomo, actually, um, started cutting um, top tax rates for the very wealthy in, uh, in New York. So what we want to do, broadly speaking, is tax the rich to fund a just transition. Um, taxing um, people who, that top 1% at just a 5% rate would produce $10 billion per year in um, annual revenue for the state. $10 billion per year is a heck of a lot of money, although it's just 5% of the incomes of the top 1%. Um, it's so much because the top 1% takes about 40% of the income generated in the state. Now, in contrast, um, the bottom half is much more diverse. It's not virtually all white. Um, in fact, it's disproportionately people of color um, and obviously working class. Um, the wealth that is concentrated in the bottom half is tiny compared to the 1%. So, you know, Bernie Sanders constantly talks about how there are three people in America who have the same wealth equivalent to the bottom half of the entire country. I and mean, that's reflected in New York. It's hideously unfair. So what we want to do is tax that top 1% and put the money into a Green New Deal, which means everything from public and supportive housing being upgraded and maintained for high energy efficiency, and um, uh, uh, making sure that the properties don't fall down through disinvestment, um, mass transit, um, upgrading heating and electrical systems uh, for people's homes, uh, particularly for low-income people's homes, um, and for renters in rent-regulated and affordable housing um, throughout the state and uh, all over, um, and paying for um, low-income people who are car dependent to be able to trade in their gas-powered clunkers and replace them with um, zero-emission vehicles, electric vehicles. That's not possible right now because they're, much, they're more expensive. But the state should make all of those things affordable to low-income communities of color. Um, and that would be a gigantic um, blow to inequality in the state, uh, both racial and uh, economic inequality. So, that's what a Green New Deal is about. And this is the moment to do it. Um, you know, they don't, call, they don't call it a New Deal for nothing. And the New Deal came out of the Great Depression. We are in a severe situation right now. The politics and more importantly, the people are ready and need this kind of an approach. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, the approach of uplifting uh, low-income community, communities of color. And oftentimes in New York state politics, there's been some sort of um, kind of divide between upstate communities and, you know, the more populous downstate New York City um, specifically. Um, and in terms of a just transition, uh, how would you ensure um, and how does, you know, the Green New Deal for New York state proposal ensure that, you know, those communities in upstate New York that are, you know, communities of color, but also, you know, rural, low income white communities um, in upstate New York are ensured that of the transition away from fossil fuels and into a clean energy economy, how, do, how, how can um, this proposal make sure that that clean energy economy also works uh, for communities in upstate New York? Well, the, um, there are fossil fuel dependent communities where um, there's a, a plant 
um, that's operating that pays a lot of the property taxes for the town. Um, and so, and then there are workers who work in um, fossil fuel companies um, who um, are, would be directly effective if, if their employers were forced to close down. Um, so in our world uh, view, those costs should be borne in a Green New Deal. Um, and they're actually not gigantic costs relative to other um, big ticket items because um, there's just not that many fossil fuel workers in New York State. Um, running power plants um, today in uh, a gas plant, you'll have a couple dozen people working there. Um, pipeline work is temporary work. It's, it's well-paid work, but it's temporary. So the, the actual number of jobs that are directly dependent on fossil fuel power is um, uh, not gigantic. Um, so paying for those workers to have income um, and uh, training and support um, for years and for the communities as well um, is, uh, is something that is important in a just transition that we strongly support. Um, it's also something that the state can afford to do um, while also doing um, the big ticket items uh, like upgrading housing, um, upgrading mass transit, upgrading people's cars, um, and, uh, and moving away from um, fossil fuel power and everything from people's homes to, um, to transportation. Fantastic. Um, before we close, is there anything else that you guys like to add? I mean, the, the, your young people organizing and being aggressive and up in the face of elected officials is what's needed to win. Um, we believe that it takes a multiracial, multi-generational, aggressive push by large numbers of people to win these kinds of changes. Um, there's just no way around that. There's no convincing through really good technical policy proposals uh, a government that doesn't fundamentally want to change its operations. Um, we have to rapidly change the status quo. And so what you all are doing is extremely important and needs to grow. And we're very, very excited um, that you have joined um, the movement for a Green New Deal, which we think articulates in New York the kinds of demands and the kind of strategy that's needed um, to win the change uh, that, that people desperately need. Yeah, I'm also really excited to have um, more members in the coalition that are upstate uh, in Rochester, near Albany. Um, I believe that conflict um, with, like engaging in conflict with the power structure is really productive. Uh, I think we need class conflict and class struggle to win any of the things we want. Um, we're not gonna win anything out of being polite, uh, politely asking, you know, uh, making arguments uh, does not is not really a way. Winning arguments is not a way to win power, you know. Um, and I'm really, I was like super excited to see your solidarity action uh, a couple of days ago, um, or maybe a week ago or something. Um, and I'm excited to see what you come up with um, throughout the year um, when we're working together. Um, we have picket, we picket Cuomo pretty often at his fundraisers, and it's a really, can feel very empowering, I think, for a lot of activists to, to really be outside, um, 
outside Cuomo, um, you know, choosing with his rich friends and just like trying to like make his time as terrible as possible and to like really um, dig in and like into his like psyche, I guess. So I guess I'm just looking forward to working with you all. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you so much, Gustavo and Pete, for joining us. We really appreciated all of the insight about the Movement for Green New Deal and its demands. And we look forward to continue to organize with you um, into the upcoming session. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Our producers are Anna Sarasoletti, Natalie Penna, and Sophie Campbell. The music is by Francis Bach. Our guests today were Gustavo Gordillo and Pete Sikora of the Movement for a Green New Deal Coalition. Thank you so much for listening to our episode today. You can check us out on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at NY2CL, Twitter at NYYouthClimate, and check us out on our website at ny2cl.org. Thank you.